Welcome to the Book Hub, an online event space hosted by Luther Seminary. Hello, and welcome to today's Book Hub, Those Underlying Emotions, Practices for Processing and Lamenting Together. We're joined today by authors Jennifer Grant and Abby Norman. My name is Leanne Pomrenke, and I'll be your MC. Uh, so, um, Abby and Jennifer, uh, we have this very thoughtful comment question here um, saying some people feel that their grief and laments negate their gratitude. And they see gratitude as somehow connected to faith and hope in a way that grief is not. Can you talk about ways we can help people to understand that God does not condemn grieving and lament and complaint are not signs of lack of faith? Yeah, I'll start and then we'll move to Abby's uh, section. I, I think one thing that's always um, encouraging, and it's pretty obvious, I'm sure for all of you who are, are uh, clergy, you know this, but just to, just to show how David had such lament and such, um, such grief that he expressed in the Psalms, and he was a person after God's heart. God had such uh, love for, for this complicated, flawed person who also did complain. Um, and I think, you know, if, if we need a um, sort of biblical or scriptural, you know, permission slip to <laughs> express our grief and complaint, opening the Psalms obviously would be an easy way to just sort of model that. Um, and I think too, you know, if we're talking about our, our spirituality and our relationship with God, if it's, if it's, if it's what we all hope it to be being, you know, authentic and um, being honest about who we are with the divine, just like any relationship. I mean, we have times where we complain and we are not grateful and there's other times where we're awash in gratitude. And so I think just having an authentic sort of spiritual journey and saying, yeah, this is all part of being human, you know, um, and, and knowing that, you know, God accepts our humanity, made us this way. So that's, that's my answer, but I'll love to hear what Abby has to say. Um, I think we're really bad at dualism. And so we need to get better at it. Like we don't grieve things that we don't deeply love or hope for. So after, um, after like six years of seminary and post and three tries at being in the ordination process in the United Methodist Church, I'm currently licensed local. So it's just like a little different. I was deferred again in October. Okay. So I'm not grateful for that. I'm not, it is like deeply wounding. It feels like God uh played a giant practical joke on me and today as I was getting ready for this and reading pieces of my book um apparently I had written that grief is we don't grieve things we didn't love and so yeah we don't grieve things that we don't deeply love and 
so I think grief and even like anger and disappointment is sort of its own gratitude. It means we were hoping, like it's the evidence that we were doing those things. It's proof. Right on. And now I'll introduce you. <laughs> Abby Norman is a United Methodist pastor and friendly neighborhood bartender in the Atlanta area. Area Blogger, writer, and author of You Can Talk to God Like That, The Surprising Power of Lament to Save Your Faith. Her book shows us how to express our laments to God and to each other when things are definitely not okay. Back to you. Um, I was so glad that uh, Jennifer told you the scope of the psalm because that's in my first chapter. And for the first time ever, I decided not to do that. And then she covered it. So I was like, oh, look at that. Um, so this is at the beginning of chapter two, which is called what if I'm not fine learning how to feel our feelings? Stop me if you've heard this one before. Someone in the middle of telling you why they are, someone is in the middle of telling you why they are having a really hard time. You think they're done, but they aren't. It isn't just that they had a baby three days ago and are still wearing adult diapers and can't sit because of the stitches. No, that isn't hard enough. In addition to all of that, their toilet exploded, or they found bed bugs in their mattress, or their roof collapsed, and they have to stay in a hotel with a baby while they leak from every orif orifice and their spouse goes to work, leaving them alone to keep their toddler from killing the new baby. You are gobsmacked by how hard that sounds. You are astounded that everyone is alive and clothed. And in the middle of this hard and horrible story, the person this is happening to sucks all the tears up and smiles and say, but I know how lucky I really am. I have a beautiful new baby and the insurance covers the mess and my spouse has a job to go to and I get to be the mama of these little guys. They've stopped crying and now they're smiling, but the gratitude hasn't reached all the way to their eyes. They are still exhausted. This has played out before my eyes so many times. In the midst of telling me how hard everything is, people stop themselves to let me know how good they have it and how truly grateful they are. I know why they do this. They've been trained to do this. By the times before when they were trying to tell someone how hard something was, and they were interrupted with, but at least you still have, but you should be, be grateful for, but think of all the people who have at worst. They were interrupted so often, they now do it themselves. They downplay their pain. They remember to be grateful. They assure us it isn't that bad, but sometimes it is that bad. And we don't have to be grateful for our pain. We do not have to be fine. In fact, saying we are fine when we are not and telling ourselves that it really doesn't hurt that bad actually hurts us. There's very real consequences, emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. Instead of being fine and keeping a stiff upper lip, God asks us to be honest with ourselves and with God through the holy act of lament. 
I know other people are asking you to be fine, but God is not asking us to be fine. Um, yeah, so that's the beginning of my second chapter. And I am so disheartened by the ways that the church has just told us we have to be grateful. And I should probably say that when I say the church, I should probably say the white church. Because I do think that other um, ethnicities and especially across the globe, they're way better at this than we are. Just way astoundingly better at lament. We have a lot, a lot to learn. Um, But I have never been able to like be fine. You know, if I don't say it out loud with my mouth, then my face says it. And I have been like that forever. Uh, And I have multiple stories of like being pulled out of church because I just like didn't think something was fine. And I was six or whatever. And so that um, meant that I was throwing a fit. Um, And I just have always had really, really big feelings. And I have have been told to turn it down my entire life. Often when I think that I'm at like a five, people are like, whoa, you're all the way at an 11. And I'm like, oh, you think this is loud, huh? And I am raising children who are like that because genetics are wild. Um, And so one of the things that I've learned is that what the world has told me is a flaw in that I am able to like feel and express my feelings very easily and almost immediately. Um, That's actually a feature that God made me like that on purpose, that it makes me very safe for a lot of people. It makes me, made me a really good English teacher. I did that for a decade. Um, It makes me a good pastor. It makes me a great bartender when people are like, Oh, I'm having a horrible time. And I'm like, Oh, tell me about that. You know, or also, um, oh, this is the best day of my life. And you're like, yay. And you get to celebrate with them. Um, As I have transitioned from teaching and pastoring to bartending, bartending and pastoring, I found that bars and restaurants are a place where all feelings are welcome. And I wish the church could be more like that. Uh, And I'm going to skip ahead to talking about my kiddo. Where did it go? Uh, oh man. Let's see. Maybe we might have to skip that. So one of the things that I did, uh, I'm seeing the question that I like, uh, but once we've told our story, once we've expressed our grief, how do we take that next step towards healing? So I'm deeply practical. Um, and I think that comes from being taught, uh, education and then showing up in a classroom and finding out that I knew absolutely nothing. And then I had a very similar experience in seminary where like, I learned a lot of really, really good theory in seminary, 
but then you like get into church and practice is like really different. And so all of my chapters come um, with a Bible story that relates to it. So if you wanted to preach through it or do a Bible study through my book, you can. And then also it's a practice. There's always a practice. And so chapter two is about embodying our grief. And one of the things I've been able to do during the this like sort of coming out of the pandemic is I've been able to meet with groups and we write all the things on plates and then we break them. (laughs) Um, Youth groups are really especially good at this. Like teenagers, if, if your church or your group wants to do lament, like let your teenagers lead because they're, their emotions are like just so right there they're so good at it it's so amazing it's it's a really powerful thing to do with them and it's even more powerful to be like oh you are you are better at this than me and actually this is a totally valid form of prayer um so I would say that okay so working through the grief is the healing And like learning how to carry it and carry it well and carry it differently. Um, All of that just, just is, it's, it is the healing. Um, Abby, maybe we could also kind of lean into the communal aspect of this. Yes. When you are yourself out loud in public. Yes. Then other people. Yeah text you at night things that they won't text anyone else like I what do you do I just need you to know I'm mad at God I got that from a pastor's wife once that was really exciting I was like oh I didn't know you had feels okay okay um yeah all of the things and then one of the things that I do so that was from my chapter about I have three sections of the book the first one is about like feeling your feelings and the second one is about communal lament And the practice in that one is make a list of all the things you need when you are sad, having a hard time, whatever. And also, what are you good at giving? Like in my mind, I have this idea that we could build communities where we could pair people up and be like, she is a stress baker and he likes to eat pie when he's sad, you know, like, and so, okay, that works. So yes, match those guys up or like my one friend's. I am a feeler and I want to sit with you and I want you to feel, I'll feel every single thing with you. So some people don't want that. What they want is to be distracted. Okay, don't call me, but call my friend Gina because she has the funniest memes. 100% of the time, all the time. You can be like, I am sad, make me laugh. She's like, got you. And so we have to be honest with ourselves, right? So that we can be honest with our community so that we can all grieve together, so that we can all heal together. And I think that COVID has really like made that so much clear that we need, need it, made it so much harder to get it, and also made us realize that like sometimes it's just the little tiny griefs that are horrible and painful that are just really, really hard. So we also have a comment um, 
that I think just went to the panelists, but just describing complicated grief, you know, layers upon layers, or maybe griefs that that are not publicly acceptable, so we feel like we can't grieve them. Um, so talk oh, yeah. a little bit about lamenting the things that we are told we're not supposed to be. They're not on the level that they get a funeral, but they're yeah, still I mean, causing us grief. Yeah, so I write about in, in the book, um, feeling deeply sad right before my wedding because I realized like, oh, I'm, I'm never going to have like family Christmas with my mom and dad again. Um, feeling really sad when I had my second baby because I knew that they were two girls and I was raised in a house with sisters. And I knew that having two girls meant that their relationship with me was going to be really different because probably they were going to go to their sister first. Um, and that was sad. And also, oh good. That's awesome. Like I, for me and my relationship with my sisters, giving my girls sisters was like absolutely the height of what I could give them. And also it made me sad. Um, and I think that, that leaving space for that, again, modeling that for people is really important. And then also just like noticing, like noticing things and, and um, being curious. So instead of being like, so yesterday, again, I was deferred again. Um, I don't know what ministry is going to look like for me now. I don't, I don't know what that's going to mean. Um, you know, they're just like a lot of dreams that are not going to play out. And um, I, it was something that I would have said was stupid. Like I, I think it was a stole, like I saw a stole that was really beautiful. And I was like, oh, God, I probably am not going to wear those. And it like made me so profoundly sad. And so instead of being like, Abby, I can't believe, you know, my, your initial reaction is like to yourself is almost always like, suck it up, buttercup, like get over yourself. And I was totally going there. And then I stopped myself and I, I um, did this thing that they taught us to do in teaching um, which is to, to do two things, notice and wonder. So I was like, I notice that I am very sad about this. I notice that I am feeling sad in my shoulders. I wonder why this makes me extra sad. Like, what is it, Abby, about like fabric in your life? And I was like, oh yeah, fabric is connected to all the ministry that every woman in my family does. And of course, I'm really sad about that because it like is a familial connection in a way that I was, you know, really hoping for. And so you just have to be like so gentle with yourself. Um, and I, and yeah, everything is compounded. I'm seeing this like it wasn't because of COVID, but it was because of this other thing. I read this great um, short memoir piece of this woman who's dad died of a heart attack September 11th 2001 so she was having a profound grief it was like a sudden heart attack it was one of those and also it was not the grief that everyone else was having and that made it horrible 
and worse and harder. And I think that COVID has compounded so many things that um, we all are grieving and we all, all of us are having compacted grief. And I don't know that that's ever happened before um, in a world that is as connected as ours is. So it's like, we can see everybody's grief. And so then we, um, we're like, well, it's not as bad as, and it's like, okay, just because like you stubbed your toe and he broke his arm doesn't make your toe hurt less. And the same can be said for all of our feelings. Yes. Um, I have a question kind of bouncing off one in the chat here, talking about just the grief of leaders. I mean, everyone in this somehow identifies as a church leader, whether they're lay leaders or on staff somewhere. Um, we have we have practices from your book, practices from Jennifer's books. How do you, in a congregation, bring this up and kind of regularly to normalize it? Like, where's the place for this? You know, during announcements? I, yes, how do we do I, that's, a, that's a good question. Actually, I've gotten that question a lot and I figured out where to put it. And you put it in the prayers of the people. So while you're praying, um, I always say, um, I, I pray praise. I pray like sadness, God, we're seeking you for these things. And then I always say something along the lines of Lord, you are the only one who can see our whole hearts. And there are things so precious and so hard. We don't even have words for them yet. And would you make this a space for those things? And then I count to like 20 in my head because if I don't count I'll keep talking um that I learned that trick in teacher school and yeah and then I make sure that that is a part of what is happening okay questions anybody Uh, Jennifer, did you have anything that came up for you in the last 20 minutes that you were like, ah, I wish I was speaking right now. I would like to say this. Uh, no, I mean, I thought Abby, so, so um, I, I love your focus, Abby, on, on just being authentic and on, on, on trusting that that's what, how God made us to be and wants us to be. So I'm glad, uh, I'm glad for the people who will read your book and also who will hear you, whether it's in church or in a bar or whatever, giving that <laughs> message. <laughs> All right, let's talk about in a bar or other public places, right? Yeah. How can being good at grieving and lamenting be a public witness? How can we do this well? And that actually recommends us as people of faith instead of uh, the opposite impression we sometimes give. Yeah, so the, the tool, I have a, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm an infomercial, but I'm like, oh yeah, one of my practices is about that. Um, so there's this thing, it's called the circle of grief. I think it's so good. I, I love it so much. Um, 
So if you think of, I don't know. Um, oh, here's a really good one. Okay. So my friends, when we were like 24, her um, fiance broke up with her over email. So that was awesome. Okay. So she is at the center of that grief, right? She is right smack in the middle. I am a bridesmaid. I also have grief and like things that I'm like, oh man, like I just spent $300 on a dress. You know, I'm still in college and I can't pay for that. Okay. I am allowed to complain about that, but not to her because she's in the middle. So you think of it as like if you drop a pebble in a pond and then there are concentric concentric circles all around, healing and help goes in and like lament and grief goes out. So when you are in a space of public lament, it's really important to know who who is centered, who is the center of that, and where are you and which way does your grief need to go? So a lot of like racial healing um, is often circumvented by white lady tears because we are very sad that we did this thing. But as soon as we start crying, it moves us into the middle. Um, And so just all the feelings are always okay in my world, Mm -hmm. but expressing them is like you just have to know um when it's your turn and so if you're like the boss of that so pastors um spiritual leaders all of that so so the question I'm looking at is so how do we then lament publicly when so many people are grieving is like you can create a space where everyone has space right so break a plate everybody can do that um toss whatever into the fire grab a worry stone um you can build spaces where people can share if they want to or not if they don't or share in smaller circles um so that everyone can grieve together i have i i love all those ideas and i i had one thing that i i meant to say as well um that corresponds with that and that is that we can't really f- i think we all grieve at different times you know i um I had a friend who died of cancer and we were in, I just finished graduate school. So many years ago, and I grieved when I knew she was terminally ill. And I feel like I understood that I was going to lose her. And I, um, I felt kind of overwhelmed by that grief. And I was able to sort of even grieve with her because she was still living. And then when she died, I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel my grief. Um, and then it sort of returned to me later when I would miss her. And so that's the other thing is grief. And I'm sure Abby, you write about this in your book as well, but like, you can't, um, you can't time it. You can't, it's unpredictable in terms of when it hits you and, and it really will look different for different people, you know? And I, I feel like all the times that I've had a, a, a significant loss, my grief, is oddly timed, you know, so I either have it really early or really late, or it doesn't seem like I'll, I'm sitting at the, you know, I've sat at so many funerals and people are weeping and I always think, oh, they've got the timing right, (laughs) you know, and mine is going to come later or it already has come. And so I guess one thing we can do as we're um, 
hoping to be a minister, of, you know, a ministry of presence with someone else who's grieving is to is to remember and to acknowledge that it might look very different from the way we grieve. And it also might come to that person at strange times that don't seem appropriate or, don't, you know, and, and if it's me, if any of you are ever with me, it's I'm going to I'm going to grieve something that happened 10 years ago tomorrow and go to a funeral and just feel maybe numb or nothing. So I guess that's another thing is that one of the ways we can show love to each other and support each other is to acknowledge and accept that grief will have different timing and look different on different people. Definitely. Like, and I think, Oh, go ahead. I think we need to model that too. We need to model that like all of these things are grieving Mm -hmm. and that however you react is okay. Mm -hmm. Right on to pick just a couple things out of the chat. So we don't lose them. Um, we open up space for everyone to lament and grieve what they need to, but we also can get very specific, like saying the names of those who have been killed by police or um, naming those who have died of COVID-19 and those kind of things. And then a great reminder um, in the chat to not forget the introverts. You know, maybe saying before we do this practice, if you're not comfortable doing this here, here's how you could modify it and do some version at home. Or, you know, just take Abby's book and read it by yourself at home (laughs) instead of doing it here too. Um, There's a question here that I don't know if we have time to get to, but uh, what types of faith formation activities do you envision will be helpful, successful going forward in the future? in light of the pandemic? Oof, well, that's tricky. Yes, Abby. Instead of giving you all the things, which is really what I wanna do, I'm gonna say that I think we're gonna have to throw a lot of spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Mm. And I think we need to get really creative. Permission to be creative. Mm -hmm. Right on. To be like, woo, that didn't work. Mm -hmm. There you go. Okay, in our last two minutes, I would like to thank our authors for today, Jennifer and Abby. Wonderful time spent together. It's-